I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Pamela Lawrence in San Francisco, California. And I'm Caroline Winter in Adelaide in Australia. Welcome to Dog Edition, the first show designed for you to listen to while you walk your dogs. Coming up, our Dog Days of Summer season continues with our newest pod discovery on Dog Lovers Live and... I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not all dogs are licking in this episode. Oh, I know. <laughs> what about dogs licking humans? What's going on with that tongue? <laughs> so if you love dogs as much as we do, hold the tongue, pause what you're doing, and leash up your pup. Let's take a walk because we've got a lot to talk about on today's episode of Dog Edition. Hey, Pepper, want to go for a walk? Right, so I can't begin to tell you just how much I need to talk about this. Well, if you've got something to talk about, let's visit the hydrant. What's on your mind, Carol? So, Jim, I need to talk about licking. Mm. Harvey is an <laughs> Olympic gold medal licker. In fact, so much so, we have a nickname for him. Yes. Hannibal Licker. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. My dad came up with it. It could not be more true, and I'm dying to know why he does it. Well, it seems obvious. It seems like it's because Harvey's comfortable with you. That, you know, it's a sign of affection and love. Yeah? Exactly, Pam. But it's not the only reason. I came across a really interesting article that talks about this researcher named Sydney Bartson Queen, who is a behavioral scientist at the ASPCA, the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. And she has broken down this licking a bit. She says that licking can be a sign of affection, but it can also give a dog a feeling of security and comfort. And like the dog had when it was a puppy and was licked by its mom in the litter. Oh, that's sweet. And that makes a lot of sense. So I've noticed with my dogs, at least, that there are mm, different kinds of licks. So sometimes fudgy, because she's more of a licker. Uh, sometimes her licks are long and slurpy and slobbery and kind of gross. You know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of those. And other times they're just these short, sharp little licks, almost like little kisses. Well, there is a Rosetta Stone for discovering the meaning of the lick. And it all depends on how the dog licks. Those long slurpy kisses that you were talking about, they're usually very affectionate gestures, especially when they come with a soft, wiggly body that's very happy. <laughs> and then there's those licks at the mouth, the kind that Kanga gives me. And that is actually a kind of appeasement behavior where they're letting you know, or another dog know, that they come in peace. Mm. All right. Well, Harvey must be a very peaceful pooch then because <laughs> I get that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, what about, though, when the roles are reversed and I want to get up close and personal to my pooch and he gives me a couple of air licks and then he pulls away without looking back? Air licks, huh? Mm. Well, like us, dogs need their personal space. And Sydney Bartson Queen explains it well. She says that dogs may do exactly what Harvey does. And when they do that, they are doing it to appease you so that you'll get out of their face. What? <laughs> when he does that, Harvey is probably saying, you're getting too close, mom. <laughs> Back off. I need a moment before I'm comfortable with that level of affection. Basically, he wants you to leave him alone. I'm shocked. 
He's a dog. I understood if he was a cat. He's a dog. Doesn't he want me like in his face all the time? Apparently not. That's sad. All right, fair enough. Husband probably feels the same at times. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, I want to know what the difference is. Whether a dog's lick is really a sign of affection or maybe there's something else going on. It all has to do with the body language and the behavior of the dog. Bertson Queen says that if the dog looks loose and wiggly and is trying to get to your face, then the dogs are probably very comfortable. But if they offer a lick and then slink away or their body is tense and tight, they might want their space. Okay, again, a bit like my husband. (laughs) (laughs) He slinks away? He slinks away. (laughs) He gets tense. He might want his space. Back to Harvey, though. Now, I'm sure it's neither of those, though, when I come back from a run. Surely all that licking, particularly on my legs, is to do with him craving salt rather than my love? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I have also read about research into wild dogs like wolves and coyotes, which we have a ton of wandering around our neighborhood, and foxes. Those um, puppies lick their mother's face and muzzle when she returns from a hunt, which is why dogs might want to lick your face after you've finished a very tasty meal, right? Oh, yeah, my dogs do that. They want to know what I've eaten. (laughs) Smoked salmon, Dad. I I want some of that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Except, so in those cases, uh, it's about getting the mom to, ready for this, to regurgitate food for them, kind of like baby birds, right? Mm. Not doing that. No. Sorry, yeah. I love my dogs too, but uh, there's there's a line I am not willing to cross. Nope. Oh. We have to put a line in the sand. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's it. Oh, come on. Where's your commitment? Come on. Where's your commitment? No. So- Obviously, there's loads of reasons then why dogs lick, and that's great. It sheds some light on Harvey's, um, yes, Olympic gold medal for it. But is there such a thing then as too much licking? For sure. Too much licking can sometimes be something to worry about. The ASPCA told Newsweek that when dogs excessively lick people or themselves or objects like the bathroom floor in my guest bathroom. Yeah, that's weird, right? They might might have some kind of behavioral problem and it shows up when the dog is frustrated or stressed and does something that would otherwise be normal, like licking or sniffing or grooming, but they do it at inappropriate times or too many times and then there could be a problem. Oh, see that? Okay. So we noticed with Fudgy, it's, that is the number one indicator for us that she has another ear infection, which she gets a lot of. She just licks like crazy. Now, if Pepper was the one that started licking himself compulsively, maybe after I called him to come over to me, it might mean that he's anxious, definitely. uh, And maybe unsure about whether he's in trouble, which generally would be the case with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Who knew? I didn't know. Licking was so complex. There's a lot to think about here. A lot to unpack. I know, but you know what? Sometimes licking is actually really simple. Dogs lick you because (laughs) you taste nice. Mm, Just like Ben and Jerry's doggy Mm -hmm. desserts. You got it. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Who who doesn't love a really good, uh, very obvious segue there? That was nicely done. Thanks. (laughs) That story next. (laughs) We'll be right back. You're listening to Dog Edition. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you. 
eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. The green, grassy, beef liver spiked smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpup traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. Does it roll back time? Of course not. Not really. But it helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day. Because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I'm so grateful to be your dog. And for the Everpup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. Do your dogs have a favorite treat to eat? Uh, that's a t- uh, yes, they do. They're these crazy, delicious, like liver-based, human-grade ingredient treats. You know, normally they have beef liver. This is like goose liver, and this is like a uh, uh, bison. Li- I mean, it's like literally the <laughs> foie gras of dog treats. But oh my god, the aroma! When you open the package, it it, it is a, it perfumes the air to me, and I'm sure to Kanga and Rue, it is just a fantasy world because it smells so good, and they will do anything for these treats. So, do you use them as well? I don't know. Are you, are you still training your dogs in a sense, or are they sort of beyond <laughs> okay. that? No, they're so they're they're all ladies at yeah. this point. And um, they really rather not go down the stairs for that last p- before bedtime. Yeah. They, it's kind of like, you know, they're all comfortable. They're stretched out. They're yawning. They really don't want to go outside. So my wife has figured out that if we use these treats and say, who wants a midnight snack? They get totally, they get their attention. They know what's coming and they will not accept any other treat. They, it, it doesn't matter the things they used to like, the things I like throughout the day. No, for the midnight snack, it has to be this one type of treat that smells so good. And, of course, is really expensive. <laughs> of course. Your dogs have good taste. What um, Do you always call a treat a snack? Is that the word your dogs know? Or I think, they, I think they're getting so smart that they understand even more vocabulary. Like, do you want? Ah. <laughs> um, and then I think the word midnight snack is code for... It's nine o'clock, which of course is late for us. It's nine or ten o'clock, and um, uh, and that, and it's time to descend the staircase uh, to go outside. And uh, you may not want to do it, but if you come downstairs, you'll get a midnight. Do snack. Do they get a midnight snack at any other time of day? We're trying not to do that <laughs> because then that would corrupt the process. <laughs> They're training us, though. I think Kanga is very good at training us to do it. My, for my dogs, it's cookie. You say cookie, it could be a carrot, it could be frozen peas, it could be a piece of cheese. It doesn't matter. As long as you say cookie, they're they're happy. They know. They got yeah. it, yeah. yeah. 
uh, Kanga studies the language very carefully. She like will look at you and go, I, 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 this goes back to the reincarnation thing. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if the art of racing in the rain has it backwards that it's basically, if you're a really good human incarnation, you come back as a multi. <laughs> well, put it, put a percentage on it. Would you say she's like 80% human at this point in her dog life? Is she almost there? <laughs> I think, again, I think she's evolved. Yeah. Like if it, to me, it seems, and this is why there's this theme of like reincarnation in so many movies that I find a bit appealing. Uh, she just seems so knowing and so wise when you look at her into her eyes. And this is not the case with Rue. So it's not like every dog has this, yeah. but Kanga has this like very human quality that um, I've noticed actually with dolphins sometimes. Mm. Uh, and they, they have, it's like a really like, this is a wise soul. And so I would like to think at least maybe that maybe Kanga um, has a lot of humanness about her. And is is basically like incredibly content. I mean, this is a dog who lives a pretty darn good life. Gets to go to the beach. Nice. She's she's a, she's a happy dog. <laughs> so she can command us with her eyes. And then when that doesn't work, she'll have to resort to our bark. I love that she speaks in full sentences. That's impressive. <laughs> she understands. And you know, as yeah. we talked about last week, she watches TV. Oh my gosh, that's a, that's a habit on mine. I'd like to break. I, you know, we say the same thing about one of our two dogs that she's an old soul and she's you know she really understands and connects mm -hmm. the other one the other one just needs a lot of attention it's a little different <laughs> okay but getting back to treats there's a new treat out from ben and jerry's the ice cream folks and it's for dogs but don't call it ice cream so doggy desserts are a frozen treat with a sunflower butter base, so there's very limited dairy in them because dogs can't digest dairy very well. We went right to the source for our information. That is Lindsay Bumps, who is the global marketing specialist at Ben & Jerry's headquarters in Vermont. She sent some of the new doggy desserts for us to try. How'd it go with your dogs? They loved it. Now, they love the ceremony, of course, because I was going to videotape it. There's a video you should check out. We put a link in the show notes. Um, they loved it because it was novel, and um, I don't think they've ever had a frozen dessert before. And thank you for documenting this for me. Let's hear how it went. Clearly, you haven't had ice cream in a while, Kinga. This is not, this is not, um, do you have a preference? Kinga has a distinct preference. Oh, actually, no, it's changed. You know what, it's all good. But I think she really likes the one with pumpkin and cookies, which is Rosie's batch. Do dogs get uh, brain freeze? <laughs> That's a really good <laughs> question. Um, I think that the problem is, um, it may be brain freeze, but it's also a texture that they're just, totally, at least my dogs are not familiar with. Well, it sounds like it was mostly a success. It was amazing. Uh, they love the taste. Good. I was hoping to give some to Fudgy and Pepper, but I couldn't find it in the stores around here. I even tried the big Ben and Jerry's ice cream shop in the mm -hmm. Haight-Ashbury neighborhood in San Francisco. No dice, but... But Amy Thomas's, who is part of our team, uh, is in the Midwest, and she got to try it with her two Boston Terriers. Who wants ice cream? 
It comes in two flavors. Ponch's Mix. Which is a peanut butter and pretzel base flavor. And Rosie's Batch. Which is a pumpkin and mini cookie based flavor. So is there a clear winner for your dogs? Mm, They liked them both very, very much. (laughs) Very diplomatic answer. (laughs) It's true. They, they, you know, they, they seem to favor them both. I would imagine. I think they, they, you know, they put a lot of uh, research and effort into creating the flavors. That makes sense. What I love about Ben & Jerry's is that they usually have such creative and funny names for their Mm. flavors. Did you get the scoop when you talked to Lindsay Bumps on how the doggy dessert names were chosen? I did. Lindsay told me that Ben & Jerry's is obviously a very doggy-friendly place up there in Vermont. And before the pandemic, she would bring her Frenchie uh, named Spock into the office. I have an office with a dog door that goes to my co-worker's office, who also has a French bulldog, Ponch the Frenchie, who actually has one of the two doggy dessert flavors named after him. There was a company-wide contest to pick the flavor's names. Any employee could nominate their own dog. They submitted their application and had to do a little write-up as to why their dog should have a flavor named after them. The Frenchie, Ponch, won, and the other winner was Rosie. She's a Husky Doberman mix, and she is an office canine to fiver as well. So, like I mentioned, we have tons of dogs in the office and all those K9 to fivers got to be the first taste testers for Ben and Jerry's doggy desserts. That must have been a fun day at the office. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> well, typical for Ben and Jerry's, they wanted to be diverse and inclusive in the flavor naming process. Mm-hmm. So we have a big dog and a little dog, a male and a female, a purebred and a mixed breed. So now I'm dying to know did you taste it, Jim? Of course I did. Uh, First of all, they're all human-grade ingredients, which is awesome. I love to feed my dogs only things that I would eat myself. So, And these are human-grade ingredients. I did. And uh, they taste really, really good. Okay, then. Catch me at the dog park sharing a scoop with my dog, Pepper. If you are comfortable sharing a spoon with your dog, do it. It's delicious. It's made from the same ingredients that we use in our human quality products. Uh, All of the ingredients are human grade. I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. We'll be back after this. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back. We're continuing our search for new and entertaining dog-loving podcasters and YouTubers, which you'll find on our summer show, Dog Lovers Live. And to give you a taster, we're including a snippet of each guest here on Dog Edition. So who have you got this episode, Jim? I'm speaking with Laura Reeves, who is an AKC breeder of merit, an AKC judge, and who also hosts two amazing podcasts. One is called The Good Dog Pod, And the longer one that has had millions of listeners is Pure Dog Talk Podcast. Laura talks to the legends of the sport and gives tips and tools to create an awesome life 
with your purebred dog. I have interviewed everyone from top geneticists to best in show judges at Westminster Kennel Club and literally everybody in between. Well, let's talk a little bit about the purebred piece because we can't avoid that. It is no longer as politically correct or as a la mode, as the French might say. Right. So I, it's an interesting societal norm sort of conversation. Well, we like to talk deep, deep stuff as it relates to dogs. So let's talk societal mm-hmm. norm. Let's talk deep stuff. So think about when dog shows started, right? So dogs had been bred to achieve a specific function for mankind for eons. And the development of dogs that did specific tasks in the 1800s when the world was changing, right? You're talking about the Industrial Revolution. You're talking about the fact that the average guy can own a dog. Like prior to that, it was too expensive. If I I need food for myself, I'm not going to go look for to feed another mouth. You know, and unless that dog was actually doing a job that fed you, you weren't going to have one. And so breeding dogs and having large kennels of dogs was absolutely um, a facet of the nobility of the aristocracy. And so with the Industrial Revolution, some of that started to change. And it is where you see the development of, for example, my dog breed, uh, the breed of dogs that I've been involved with for 40 years is German wire-haired pointers. And they were developed by um, folks in Germany who hunted in the woods and they wanted what I like to describe as the uber dog. They wanted a dog who could do everything. So dog shows literally were started by hunting dog guys who had been out bird hunting or fox hunting or whatever kind of hunting they were doing. And they were sitting at the bar and they're like, hey man, I think my dog is better looking than your dog. The guy at the bar is like, da hell, right? And so they get their buddy Jim down the bar. They come on over here, Jim, we'll buy you a beer. You decide which one of these is the best looking dog. That's literally how dog shows started. I love it. And you can totally see where that happened. Now, what year, when was the first dog show? Oh, man, I knew you were going to ask me a date. I'm terrible with dates. It was 1860s in that time frame, 60s, 70s. Um, It was in England that the very first official dog show happened. And so each of the breeds, in order to be judged, they decided, well, we need to write down what the perfect one of these dogs looks like. So we'll use a pointer, okay? So the English pointer that is the the emblem, if you will, of, of Westminster Kennel Club is a great example. The pointer was developed in England to run over large open areas of ground and find the birds. And so to describe the perfect pointer, the guys at the bar scribbling on the napkin are writing this one that just got all the birds in the bag is obviously the best one. And so breed standards were written originally to describe the dog that did the best job at what it was asked to do. That's Laura Reeves, who hosts the Good Dog Pod and Pure Dog Talk, the premier podcast all about purebred dogs. And you can watch Jim's whole chat with her as part of our limited summer series, Dog Lovers Live, at dogloverslive.com. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you for bringing Dog Edition along with you on your walk today. Dog Podcast Network has a sister show called The Long Leash. It's where you can hear Jim's extended conversations with some friends of Dog Podcast Network. This week, I speak with Jess Rona, who is a celebrity dog groomer 
who started grooming dogs as just a part-time gig because she was a comedian and an actor and, you know, they need to do things to augment their income. But it went really well, and now she merges acting and improvisation with dog grooming and is the executive producer of an HBO show and has something else in the works that she shares. It's a really interesting conversation. Check it out at longleashow.com. I've watched some of her videos. She's a lot of fun, Jim. She was awesome. And on the next episode of Dog Edition, we head underground to sniff out a special delicacy prized by chefs and foodies around the world. And during the summertime, which we're all in right now, except you down under, Caroline, where it's winter, at least this time of the year, why not listen to our back catalogue of shows at our website, dogedition.com. And while you're there, we'd like to hear what you think of our show. So you can leave us a note or a voice message by clicking the little blue microphone icon on the bottom right of every episode page and share your stories and thoughts with us. Who knows? We may work one of those into a future episode of Dog Edition. And don't forget to follow Dog Edition wherever you listen to us and leave us a review. That'll help us bring you more great stories. I'm Caroline Winter, your resident newshound. And I'm Pamela Lawrence. See you at the dog park. I'm James Jacobson. Thank you for listening today. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.